0: So, Lance Leipold, uh, we've got Wisconsin readers, viewers, listeners, Buffalo readers, listeners, viewers, and you're just building another program uh, from scratch. So I'm so glad you're able to take a take a few minutes here. I don't know. I don't know how you have time raising kids, recruiting, building a program, but how in the hell are you doing?
1: Doing well, Tyler. It's great to be with you. Uh, you know, get get a chance to reconnect with with some of you know with, with people out out in Buffalo and as you mentioned the the states I've lived in before great passion great fan bases um, great memories you know so whether it be at the collegiate level or the professional level there's there's passion passionate fans uh, knowledgeable fans um, and uh, but again uh, we're getting ready to get going here pretty quickly it's but in this profession it, it never really slows down anymore and And uh, there's always something happening, but uh, exciting times here in Lawrence, Kansas, that's for sure. Which I'm not sure how many people have been able to say that in the football
0: program. You you have really turned yourself into an America worker everywhere you've been from Whitewater uh, to UB to Kansas. But I don't know. Let's start way back. Um, Jefferson, Wisconsin. Do I have that right? That's where you grew up?
1: Yes geez you're 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 digging into wikipedia or something yeah <laughs> yes as i say uh small town in between milwaukee and madison about five five minutes south of the interstate and uh i always tell people i could drive five miles north i could be to county stadium or miller park and and 45, 50 minutes, or I could be at Camp Randall in in about 35. So, um, or the field house to watch a Badger. So, uh, li- lived a good life in a small town. And, uh, but um, always passionate about the local teams.
0: So, I'm thinking 70s and and I guess early 80s. You're growing up on like John Brockington and Lynn Dickey, those teams like, as a Packer fan? Go.
1: Yes. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, you, you know, coming back here full circle, uh, you know, John Hadle played here at uh, at Kansas and there's a statue of him outside outside our building. So Lynn Dickey played at Kansas State. So you, you go that route. And but, yeah, um, I, I tell people when I first moved to Nebraska, um, you know Jerry Tagge's name was brought up you know and there were some you know I mean those are some tough times for for Packer fans you know you kind of go through some of those days but um yeah there's John Brockington had four really great seasons in and in, in, you know to start off but uh yeah it's a lot of good Packer memories that's for sure. So who were like your football influences whether it's
0: you know, even as a fan going to County Stadium for games, or sure. a, a um, parent, a coach, like who who kind of introduced you to the sport? Well, where, where are your roots?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, you know, my 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 father was a high school basketball coach. Uh, he played at Wisconsin Whitewater as well. Um, he he was the um, became the athletic director. Uh, I don't know. I, I think one of those things that you know, the sports you may be having the most success or have the chance to play at at the college level, my my interest started to gravitate towards football. I I I was a football, basketball, baseball guy, like a lot of guys in that that era of when you could do three sports and and your favorite was the one you were doing at the time and um and I had a great great nucleus of friends who are still my friends today that uh and I look back at how lucky I was because we all kind of went through those sports together and still talk about them but I don't know then then my you know my college coach Bob Brezowitz was one in fact I was fortunate to replace him at uh at Whitewater is probably very influential even he was a high school coach for a while. I went to summer camps, and then you know went to Whitewater. He was my position coach, offensive coordinator, became the head coach. So, kind of that way. And and then when the coaching, uh, I you know good friend of mine, Roger Hughes, has been a lifelong friend since about my early twenties, about helping mentoring me and coaching. Had a chance to meet then in the, in the spring of ninety one. I had a chance to meet Barry Alvarez at a clinic and had a chance to. Become a graduate assistant there. Um, looking back at those times and watching him build that program. A lot of similarities to what he walked into there, to what we've walked into here at Kansas. But, you know, Bill Callahan was the offensive line coach. Brad Childress was the offensive coordinator quarterback coach. Um, so um, you just take those two names who who became NFL head coaches. Jane Orvell's a current head coach of Colorado State, was the receivers coach. Jim Huber was a uh, a great mentor of mine. He coached in the NFL as well. Dan McCarney, Iowa State, North Texas head coach, is, was on the other side of the ball. So many others. And when you had a chance to kind of sit in that room and learn and from those people, I think those were some of the people right there that are some of the most influential in my career.
0: Well, any lessons really stand out that, that- has held true to this
1: day that you try to remember any of these guys telling you, you know, I, I think, you know, the detail that a Bill Callahan and, you know, Brad Childress, uh, I thought just of developing an offensive system, um, you know, I holistically Barry Alvarez on, on being fundamentally sound being, playing with physicality, you know, having a tough mindset as a football team, um, but still coming back to fundamentals of when you're when you're trying to climb the ladder so to speak in the in, whether it be in the conference standings or whatever you've got to do a lot of little things right and uh and, and i think that's something we were able to do at ub of of uh you know in those last 40 seasons especially building that consistency that was needed um to to win on a regular basis and and that's what we're striving for here as well it really is
0: insane though you have to like double check and triple check your your run at whitewater because you are the you reached 100 wins faster than anybody in college football history i think it was 106 games and the record before that was set in 1921 i'm like that can't be true i had to look that up but it, <laughs> it it's crazy what you did i mean national titles in 07 09 10 11 13 14 and uh we just we just missed each other. I had one year of college football at St. John Fisher, and gosh, <laughs> I think it was a year before you got there, and we were both in the final four. Granted, I was like an eighth-string linebacker, so it <laughs> wouldn't have been game planning. <laughs> I, I learned very quickly that the talent in D three is is no joke. I mean it yeah. just everybody might be running like a instead of maybe four threes and four fours, it's like four fours and four five, four six and but what was that run like? How in the hell did you win that much? It's it's
1: historic to this day. Well, well, thank you. Um, you know, there was some time, you know, before my return to Wisconsin, in between, uh, I, I was seven years in Nebraska, Omaha. Then yes. I had three years off the field at University of Nebraska under Frank Solich and again a, a great program and learned a lot and and from from being off the field but observing i think that helped me a lot to become a head coach and I went back to omaha and and when i went back you know it's uh i thought we we're we we're playing at a very high rate in my in my 10 years in omaha we are fortunate we we're one in 10 3 in 8 but then in those other 8 years we won six conference championships so consistency uh, pat burns was the the head coach i worked under of, of, you know, staying focused, being a consistent program, all those things. And then when I got back to division three, it, it, it was, it was moderately different even from division two, but like you said, um, uh, the biggest thing about to me though, in, in division three, I learned is you you can't always see and, and, and get a real measure on the person's heart because when the people play D, division three, they may not look exactly the same. They're an inch or two shorter, as you kind of alluded to, and there might be a step or two uh, slower. Uh, there, there's four there's nine. More- I was a little generous. <laughs> on
0: numbers, I, was, I, I barely. Cracked you know, five. <laughs>
1: yeah, as as you go, but you know, there's still some good football to be played. And and uh, as I said, I I grew up 15 minutes from Whitewater. I I, I worked there when I first got out of out of, uh, college, kind of as a part time coach, and had an affinity for the place and thoughts about what I what what we could do and you know, and had a chance to take over a program that was in a in very good position. And, and we found a way to get it over the top with the national championship. And, and then, uh, probably the thing, of course, it, as you know, at any level, at any time, staying at a level of consistency at a high rate is highly difficult. And probably when you're in the midst of that, you don't really understand what, what, what's going on, but, um. I look back. I probably didn't enjoy as, as maybe some of those moments as I should have because the, I, I guess the the internal pressure to keep maximizing it and staying there was there and the drive. But uh, it it was a it was a great run, one that we we're very proud of. But uh, it, it, it transitioned into a very odd situation where out of the blue, on a, on I don't know what day of the week it was, I was dropping my 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 kids off at school. And, um, and I decided to do that as a head coach where most time you don't. And I said, you know what, I'm going to start taking my kids to school and, and, and get a little of that time. But um, I had two people call me uh, randomly, two different people um, asking me about my interest in the job at Buffalo. And, uh, and, and, and of all the schools in the Mid-American Conference, I was kind of Surprised that the one that was the furthest east would be the one that would have any interest in a division three coach from Wisconsin. From oh seven to fourteen,
0: though, and you're you're literally winning pretty much every game. Like, I mean, it, it had been so strange just to lose. you dominating, killing teams. Did it get yeah. frustrating at any point? I mean, maybe you were getting calls, maybe you were getting offers and you're turning oh. them down too. I don't want to assume anything, but no, I got, not- you should have been getting those offers earlier than
1: four, 15. Uh uh-huh. Um, no, and I, you know, opportunities have some discussions, but, um, you know, the weird thing is we, in, in eight years, we lost six games, three of them were in one season. The one year we didn't make the playoffs. Another one was in the national championship and another one was to a division two school. So as you can tell, I can rattle off more about the losses than I can about any of the wins. But I I didn't go there thinking I was leaving. Um, it was actually kind of more returning home for me, not for my wife. And uh, like I said, my predecessor Bob Bresowitz, had been there for 24 years. Um, Forrest Perkins was a coach before him for 29 years. So you know, it's a job that most people stay at. And and uh, I was I didn't go. And I also felt. And I know all by. Uh, out by you now there's not a lot of division two football, if any, in in that I can even go back and think of in the in the state of New York, Pennsylvania has it, but so to understand, but in, in the middle part of the country, there's a lot of really good division two football programs. And and but I felt resource wise, uh recruiting area, all the things needed whitewater was a better job than than 75 percent or more of the division two jobs in my opinion doesn't mean i'm right so my the natural progression you would think would be division three division two and and you know i was in my 40s and I, i'm like i'm not you know i didn't i, I wasn't one of those guys that was going to move a bunch um you see people now take you know 10 jobs and 14 years or something you know it's it, you know I wasn't going to do that to my family I wasn't the one that that moved so that wasn't part of the plan I never thought that I'd even have the opportunity to coach FBS football in Buffalo let alone to be in the Big 12 conference that was not part of it but uh sure glad the way the journey has 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 worked out so far
0: and then and then trying to figure out like what what your edge is your advantage as a coach for for a long time you know for a decade you're working with uh, college kids who are there really for the love of the game I mean there has mm-hmm. to be a benefit to that where day in and day out they're the not a scholarship I mean they're not like an NIL <laughs> it's yeah it was it was I mean was up. I, mean, yeah. I can remember those five a.m. workouts it's like man I kind of <laughs> want to go to the campus newspaper and TV station. Like, you better love it at that level and you're it's probably invigorating as a coach to be around that every day.
1: Yeah, it was. And, and the uniqueness, I think even, and, and Whitewater is unique in that conference because it's state schools and, and New York does have that as well with, you know, and I didn't even say I should have given credit. One of the, one of our losses was uh, was to Buffalo state, you know, and they, they beat us at our place and snapped our 46 game win streak. Um but there are state schools in, in New York that, that are Division three, but most of time they're private schools. And, and, and your football program, athletic programs are, are, are driven enrollment-wise through their athletic programs, so they want to keep you engaged. And, you, you know, St. John's probably had 170 guys out for football and <laughs> you your did. freshmen yeah. get those and, and those things. Um, you know, being a state school and Title IX and things like that, my first year we had 96 players and, and then the next, then we finally got back to a hundred. So the internal motivation has to be from within. You're going to pay your own way. There's not, there's not a leadership scholarship or anything. It's a state. Hey, what financial aid gives you is what you get. So, um, the competitive part of our program was really based on, hey, I, I, I got to work to keep my roster spot. I got to keep my playing time, much like it is at, at a scholarship opportunity. So we were able to say is like, hey, you know, I was, I used to joke with the guys a little bit uh, cynically, uh, but it'd be, hey, this whole thing is optional. Nobody, you know, a lot of times, sometimes you see in scholarship football at the Division One level, a young man is, taking the the scholarship to better his family, to get out of a situation. There may be, you know, lower middle class or something they're 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 trying to be the first one in their family to get a college degree and do those things. And sometimes they lose the love and passion of the game and it becomes really, really tough. Division three. Hey, you don't want to do it. Don't do it anymore. So I I think that part of motivation was, you know, you sign up for it you were going to keep going on and I think that that helped us maintain that edge over over that period of time
0: and I, I want to it Matt
1: Blanchard was your quarterback
0: yeah He's, he yeah. spent some time in with the Packers and the Bears yeah. a little bit
1: like yeah he bounced uh he had Bears Packers and uh why am I forgetting he had uh I want to say Carolina maybe poor guy you know it, it was weird because he you know, he originally went to northern Michigan, which uh, you know, your 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 Packer followers, uh, you know, he was a youper for there for a for a minute. Um, and uh big athlete, you know, he could play some other positions, you know, and they're moving him around. So he transferred to Whitewater because he wanted to play quarterback. Well, he wasn't starting his first year and we put him on a on the front row of kick return just to help block and he non-contact drill. he he, he fractures a bone in his leg so he misses more time but anyway he could never stay healthy the way he wanted to then he got in the NFL camps uh well one year for us he broke his thumb right before the playoffs NFL he had a couple things that that happened as well got a concussion um but uh I'll never forget a um good friend of mine former teammate Eric Studisville uh, he's now running back coach for the Dolphins. He he was out at Buffalo one time, but Eric had an off week. He came back to Whitewater and talked to the team, and he watched him. and He said he said Lance, I'm t-, he goes, he's there's guys in the NFL that don't have the same arm he does, and it, the kid's got a chance. So, but uh, fine young man, um, kind of close. Jay Kumro was one of our guys. You know, uh, <laughs> he spent time in Green Bay and Buffalo. Um, so you know it, they're not as not as regular at that level but there are a few that that get an opportunity
0: was it hard to, to to leave um so when you got the opportunity you get to ub it's it's opportunity of a lifetime right to get to a big program but yeah uh, what was that transition like for you
1: yeah um a lot of mixed emotions. I think on the on the personal side, you know, it's where you went to school, where you grew up. But you know, we had a chance there for those periods of time to reconnect with with friends. My my father was still alive at the time, and you know, when we lived in Nebraska, and my wife's from Omaha, you know, her parents were there. We moved to Wisconsin, so you got uh, at least grandparents or grandparents um, there. And then we moved to Buffalo, and it's it's us on our own. And, uh, and and that was, you know, good. And those are those are good learning moments w- within your marriage. And 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 you you figure things out, um, you know, experience wise to take this opportunity. The other one was I was able to help some of our other assistant coaches in their careers as well. It's a holistic that that part's neat. That, that part's a, a chance you really get to Division three. They're coaching and teaching and doing other things. You've got ad hoc staff members that come and go they can be there at only certain times this was a chance to really put together a program um the other tough part though was my family my uh our daughter had just finished her freshman year of high school that's a tough time to move uh our son um you know went to a christian school that had 59 kids in it and then he we move out and get into clarence school district there out there uh and there's 125 third graders in his class, you know. So those are adjustments. Now, after you weather them all, you're, you you all learn and grow from those. So so that part was neat. Danny White was our athletic director. Now the athletic director at the University of Tennessee. Danny is a, uh, a visionary guy who's aggressive, thinks outside the box, things like that. And And for an opportunity for that to happen. But he wanted to make the announcement. The first time he had talked to me was late October because he had made a coaching change. The job was open. Then you go through another month of coaching and then I took the job after like our first or second playoff game. And then, but I, but with the agreement I was going to fly back and forth to coach and finish the year. And so it, it, I mean, I got a call at 10 at night on a Saturday, essentially offer me the job and I'm on a flight out of Milwaukee at 515 in the morning. So you have no time to talk to staff. You have no time to get to your team and things are coming out um, that that was very difficult. And then you got to come back and try to coach and, and have those guys understand that you're not bailing on them. That was um, a pretty stressful time of of one that um, it's never perfect. And, uh, and and I know that one wasn't quite the, the way, but uh, it, we, we found a way through.
0: Meanwhile, there's probably questions your your kids have in their day to day life. I mean, how do you balance fatherhood, you know, through this all? Yeah.
1: Too? Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, the one that's the the you know the the warrior in the whole thing is my wife Kelly because every time you move, you got to move and move now, and you've got to start recruiting and putting things together, and and then every time she's left to sell a house and get things going and, and explain to the kids and and, and and get those things going, you know, some of these moves I've, you know, both coordinators have been with me and, and things like that is, you know, sometimes the majority of the office is the same for us, you know, we're, we're just in another town, another hallway or building but a lot of our things for the core of our guys that have moved with me, it's the same. It's the children and the wives that have to kind of pick up and start over sometimes. So that that's difficult. Um, you know, I, I, will always uh, appreciate, I'll remember my, my daughter, cause I, I told my daughter that I would cause she was doing so well at the school she was at in Wisconsin and making friends and she was so happy. And I was like, I'll turn this down if if you want I'm okay staying here. And she said, no, Dad, it's too good of opportunity. And uh it 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 takes a lot of maturity and and understanding and and unselfishness for, for a for a freshman in high school to say that. And uh so there's a lot of lo- lot of memories there. That's remarkable. And, and UB is a program,
0: I'm thinking Turner Gill, Jeff Quinn, it's been you know up and down and it's relatively new still as a program to the d1 scene it that stability really hasn't been here and in interest it it would spike and then I feel like like you know sometimes yeah go away so what were the challenges coming into okay you've got your opportunity d1 football (laughs) I'm building a program where where do I start
1: yeah it's Sometimes it's good not to know too much Tyler. I think when it (laughs) came and and UB is, is unique. Uh, You know, sometimes you get into uh, you could spread that even further to maybe Northeast football. Okay. And, and, and I, I don't know if I fully have the the full opinion on it, but you you can still take in Syracuse and Boston college and temple and others and, and kind of see where they fit as far as, you know, sustained success, commitment uh, across the board as what you see in other parts of the country and, and and it's different um as you mentioned UB had only been you know about 20 years of a division one and the more you hear after the fact is they had an opportunity they jumped at it quickly they jumped in before they were completely ready resource wise and 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 you you go through a ton of growing pains and it's I don't know I the after I got there a while it's it's kind of like in the old I say older days when you became the expansion franchise and you're drafting the unprotected players and you're trying to put it all together. And, you know, it's kind of why the Seattle pilots moved to Milwaukee after one season or something, you know, way back when, and um, there, there are some things there that you could see where we're way behind and, and what we had to do and, and, and continually work. Now, Danny White had facility plans, but, um you know you got to continue to to work and and, and generate the interest to, to raise funds and do that we're um from what i understand have they've, they've just now broken ground on the weight room that'll kind of be the the next biggest piece we were the meeting rooms were done after a year or so that we were there finally had the indoor built that we didn't have to bus all the time to orchard park and and try to do that that was game changing for that program um we redid the locker room our last year and now the weight room, which was is currently probably still in a blue shed is now going to be a division one type weight room and, and, and give them the ability to continue to, to progress. So those were some of the things that, that we kind of learned along the way um, kind of found our niche in some areas recruiting. Um, you mentioned about sustained and, and fan base. Um, yeah. I, I thought maybe that once we were winning, we we had a chance. We got off to a good start in '18, and then we we lost the Army, and then all of a sudden it kind of dropped off again. Uh, you know, I we we probably had our moments while the Bills were still in a in a little bit of a flux. Um, you know, when Coach Ryan was there, then the Coach McDermott to maybe you know get our little slice of the pie, as you know from your time in Wisconsin you know there's badger fans and there's packer fans and that and 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 that's great and that's the way it should be uh i hope that someday ub can get themselves to a point where you know they can draw a a highly consistent uh you know crowd there on on the deal because it's it it is good football
0: yeah but you had jared patterson he gets to the nfl tyree jackson you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier so
1: you had some dudes, but how did you find yourself as yeah. a
0: recruiter? Because it's is a new ball yeah. game. You, you know, what... it's our
1: staff. You know, our staff, I look, our 2018 team, I was looking at it. We had like one player, one player went to Canada that started in the offensive line. Um, another one kind of bounced around the, that spring, a couple of the different spring leagues that was spring developmental league, whatever, but almost every player in that started that 2018 conference championship game had an nfl opportunity and yet our recruiting rankings were always very low and we prided ourselves on evaluating and developing players and cam lewis you know still hanging with the bills and you know pound for pound probably the toughest football player i had the opportunity to coach and and he's passionate about the game and uh you know he's he was one of them we had you know, Malcolm Koontz got drafted in the third round with the Raiders. Um, Damone Harris right there from Bishop Timon, who played for us at UB. We you know, we 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 had a chance that we had like four defensive ends, um, end up in, in 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 the NFL, playing NFL games. So proud of what we're we are able to do. But you know, the other the other component, Tyler, that I'm equally proud of is we had as many all academic, all conference players. At UB in in our first five years, than they had in the previous fifteen combined. So, and and I think that's part of what we've been able to do here in uh, at at Kansas. We've had two record-setting team GPAs in the last two in the last two semesters, and uh, this program had had ten academic All Americans in its history. We had three this year, and and I share that because I think our staff, when we go back to that development component is, I think we have found a niche of getting our players to understand that it's a holistic development, that if I'm on time for everything, if I'm coachable in everything, if I give my best effort in everything, I can be successful in all facets of my life. And what you find out is you'll see players and it happened. I'll say Charles Harris, Chuck Harris played defensive end for us at at UB played bounced around with a few teams Jacksonville Chicago maybe a little bit um but Chuck was one that in his first summer at, at campus there in Amherst he got a couple A's in his first two classes his academic confidence changed his whole personality of what he could do and um and I think we lose that sometimes and and uh but I I think that's been an underlying component of our success at at any of our stops is uh is that is is that it does play a part in how they feel and and go about their days?
0: You really gotta recruit a, a a distinct personality, don't you? I mean, you're trying to find yeah. what, what what makes this guy tick. I mean, how do I know he's really going to work as whether a UB even a K- Kansas guy? Be cutthroat. Um, it's you'd love to get every five star that you can possibly get, but you've yeah. got to d- dig a little deeper.
1: Yeah, I I think the most important thing is fit, okay. And and you know I, you know I could just, uh, um, you know I I look at what the Bills do. I, I have great respect for Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott as people. Um, Sean McDermott was standing on the sideline, our first practice down down at their indoor, um, our first spring practice when he w- he became head coach that that off season, and I just looked at how he change the culture of that team. And they went through a little pain, but you could continually see that progress and their fits. And now there are some guys that maybe weren't there or didn't fit right away, but maybe came back later on. And it doesn't mean everyone is always the the biggest, strongest, fastest, or highest rated recruit. You have to find out during the recruiting process for your program and your culture, does he fit? And, you know, for us, it could be work ethic. How important is football? How important is school? Um, you know, what is, you know, and in, in, as we know, it can be in the NFL. It can be in college. It's a very inexact science because there's busts at all level. That's why you see lower level players make it to the NFL. It could be late bloomers. It could be a lot of things. But, um, yeah, trying to find those fits in a short period of time. And uh, right now, Tyler, in, in college football, the recruiting calendar of time is, is accelerated. It's, you know, we're, they're, they're changing the recruiting calendar rules that you'll be, you'll be bringing on people on campus before they even play their junior year. And it's, it's really getting, um, you really got to have crystal ball about you know, size development and other things, let alone the just pure mental mat- maturity of what young men go through,
0: and then developing them yourself, right? Like you've got a system, you know, it's not going to yeah. be year one, Kansas Big Twelve champs. It's going to be, you know, three, four, five year plan to to get to that level. um Real quick though, Cam Lewis, I, I totally forgot about Cam Lewis. What what made him what the toughest pound for pound guy? And any any
1: stories from those days? Just, uh, uh, he's got a competitive motor that is very impressive to me. He's physical. Oh, uh, I mean, there's a lot of cancer. Unfortunately, he battled little injuries and stuff there towards the end with us. Um, fractured his arm, um, missed, missed some time. I'm gonna make sure I get the story right. Re injured it. And then it was like, get it fixed now, or wait till after the bowl game and and whatever. But you know, he wanted his opportunity to hopefully get get a chance at the next level. He he got the surgery done sooner than later, was rehabbing was ahead of schedule. But you know, he was essentially shut down for the year. And um, but he was progressing nicely and doing stuff with our training staff. We play in the uh, dollar general bowl down in mobile, Alabama. And unfortunately we. uh, um, One player got a hamstring or something weird happened. We had another guy get hurt and then another corner. um, Got a, got a concussion or something. That's what it was. And then, well, anyway, Cam. They came up and said, Cam goes, Coach, I'm going to go get dressed. He's not even dressed for the game. He goes, I'm going to go get dressed third quarter. And, he, and I'm like, what? And, and he's like, no. He goes, the trainer said I could. And I said, wait, wait, wait a minute. You haven't done anything in, you know, three weeks. You know, coach, I'll, I'll just – and I said, okay, you can go get dressed, but it's only an emergency. Okay, you're – you know, whatever. All right, so he goes and gets dressed. Another guy, then somebody's helmet comes off or something during the game and he inserts himself into the game. Now, how many times do you see guys in today's football tapping out for bowl games because they don't want to play? Yeah. And Cam, and that's what I love and appreciate about him is that he would have done anything he could to get himself back on the field one more time. And he he maybe played a handful of snaps. I don't even know if he got in on a tackle or not but his burning desire to play the game is something that I'll I'll, I'll take with me forever that's amazing
0: and it's it's a probably something you you're able to find you know in Wisconsin you're seeing guys like Cam Lewis their UB and now now you're in Kansas like how how are you doing this because you know it, it hasn't been pretty in the football department there for, for a long time, and now it looks like anything is possible for the Kansas Jayhawks. How, yeah, how I, have you done it?
1: Yeah, I don't think there's not a magic potion to this. It, it's the same thing of expectations, and I had an opportunity to meet, uh, you know, meet with each player. The, the the most difficult, one of the most difficult things, there's, there's been a few, that we took this job in May 1st, essentially. Spring ball was over, so we lost all that, so we went into the august camp blind about really yeah. you're an old year i don't even know how many games this place had won but not many and they're all in the year before and you didn't get any spring practice because of covid right that would have been 2020 well or- they're only with covid then then um the last miles resigned like in march and then it, it, right. There's some other right thing. Okay. so yep the interim coach and so the day I fly in to accept the job, they have their last walk through, in the spring games the next day while I'm there. And then, so, you know, and then the semester's over like the next week. So I'm trying to meet with everybody before they leave and, you know, three guys enter the portal and, and you don't even have a chance to get to know them. Um, so there's so many things there, but, but during those talks, uh, you know, Young men are smarter than we give them credit for sometimes. And they, and they, and they want some things that, and they wanted more leadership. They wanted more leadership and coaching. They wanted more leadership from each other. They wanted more accountability. They wanted more structure. They wanted more discipline as they felt they needed as a program. And, and when you start hearing some of those things, you know, you have a fighting chance because if they're asking, they can identify things that, that, uh, that can help them be successful. We changed a a few things in routine, we became a morning practice team. And and we held true with what we're going to hold them accountable to and how we're going to do it with consistency about our day. We weren't going to keep them on the field forever, we're going to get our work done and boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden they they started to see small improvements and, and, and build trust and belief and, and, and a credit to the previous coaches and things there, there were some young players and some players here that were talented. Obviously we just needed to keep getting more and, and we're nowhere near where we, we ultimately want to be, but we're, we're, we're making, we're making that progress. And, uh, and with success last year, you know, college game day comes here for the first time. Um, you know, we're we sold the stadium out three times in a row, which hadn't been done here in over a decade. Um, all these things are starting to stack together. They, our chancellor, who's who's been very supportive, our new athletic director Travis Goff. They they make a commitment to a new stadium, new facilities, and we're we're just getting uh, scratching the surface on those things with, with more coming here this fall.
0: Bowl eligible for the first time in over a decade. I mean, even I can remember some agonizing losses mixed in there, too. But the the West Virginia game, I, that felt like a big seminal moment for well, the program, right?
1: Yeah, the West Virginia game was, was you know, a, a, just a huge confidence builder for us. We're down 14. We come back, take the lead. They tie it up, go into overtime, and we find a way to win an overtime game on the road. Then we go on the road again to Houston. Houston, many people thought going into the year would be – had a chance to be like last year's – the year before, Cincinnati-type team, you know, a chance to be a playoff team. And, and again, we fall down two scores, but battle back, go through a weather delay and some other things and get another road win. Our our confidence really came – you know, started shot, shot through the roof, really. And then we come home for three consecutive games. And like I said, sold those out Duke, Iowa state, and then TCU. And we lose Jalen Daniels in that game. You know, it's a great day. College game days here. We still battle our, our backup Jason Bean, played well, but uh, no, then we kind of struggled for a little bit. And then we had a chance, uh, we upset an Oklahoma state team that was ranked and, and got bowl eligibility. So um You know, and then uh, played a played a battling game, a, a great comeback game for us in the in the Liberty Bowl down in Memphis, and and for us to, you know, be down three plus scores in the second half and tie it up, and and I've said it multiple times, as many times you see in bowl games as people kind of play it out, you know, kind of like I said, the Cam Lewis story where, you know, people just don't, you know, people don't even play in bowl games all the time, let alone if you're down a lot, people just want to get on it healthy, get it over with. And we battled back, tied it up, went three overtimes and, uh, but came up a little short. And now that gives us great motivation as we head into this next season. It just seems
0: like you and the programs that you've built exemplify a, a true love for the game, which um, it, it might sound uh, antiquated, or uh, it's not even cliche. But with NIL, I mean, it seems like college football players are free agents. I mean, if if you yeah, can build a, a place where guys want to show up and they genuinely love it, that's something that can last.
1: You hope so. I, I think they'll. You know, I, I I don't think we build a program that's full of uh, disillusion or empty promises and. Um, We talked about consistency and transparency and what we're going about. It's, it's not for everyone. It's you got to work hard. You got to try to be a little bit better today than you were yesterday and, and those things. But at the same time, there's a lot of fulfillment in it. Um, You know, if, you know, people always say, what makes you different? I I don't know whatever the people are doing. I just know this is the way we're going to do it right now. It doesn't mean that we haven't, uh, you know, modified our approaches or changed, I I think, you know, from our time at Whitewater, then then through Buffalo and here, because the bigger the program, the more staff you have, the more resources you have. So there's other ways that you you try to, um, you know, make yourselves better. And, you know, you can dive into certain areas more and stuff like that.
0: You're not, there's not something in the water yeah like what what are you doing away from <laughs> football that's the special sauce uh, here? <laughs> yeah
1: i don't know there's uh i i think you know again you, you mentioned some of the places earlier you uh i didn't talk enough about frank solich or whatever but i i still think you know, the people I've been around, there's not a lot of extra uh, flash and pizzazz. It's about consistency and that's how you don't talk your way to victories. You gotta earn your way. You gotta work hard and, and let your let your play do the talking for you. I, I think that's kind of how we've done it and that's the way I've learned it. And uh hopefully it'll stay as this game continues to change. It is
0: changing. I mean, what
1: what's the goal for twenty twenty three? When you meet with your team, I mean, what well, what are you what are you telling them? You know, I, I, you know, I, again, this won't make, you know, great podcast or anything here, you know, (laughs) but you know, I guess I'll back up. You know, I remember being at Whitewater and people calling the football office in August or September to ask what hotel we were staying at for the national championship. And he had to win four playoff games, even the, you know, get to that game, let alone make the playoffs. And and that conference was, you know, to in our world, probably the SEC of of Division three football from top to bottom. So, you know, but so with those teams, we just talked the same thing about daily improvement. Okay, we didn't talk about even winning conference championships, let alone a national championship. So when you're building a program, whether it be at Buffalo or Kansas, you can't start talking about, well, we got to get to 500 or we got to get to bowl eligibility or we got to do this. It Otherwise, you you start getting lost because as soon as that is taken away, you've lost everything that you you have a chance for. The day you lose your seventh game and you have three more to play Let's say, how are you going to motivate them when you don't have anything to play for? So we've tried to tell them that what we expect, what we're going to essentially demand in work ethic and concentration and all those other things goes back to the consistency, win or lose, you'd still address the same thing on Monday as you as you would have um before, no matter the outcome. And that's how we can stay consistent. It's
0: so hard to just not get too high or too low. I mean you Mentioned Sean, the coach before Sean here in Buffalo it was, you know, it was a roller coaster covering that team. I mean, it was very, very high and very, very low on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. That's yeah, that's was, like the natural inclination I feel like as a human being.
1: Yeah, you know, um, one thing I learned a while back we try to emphasize in our program too is even even when you play the game, you want to you want to play the game enthusiastically, okay, all the time, not emotionally. People always oh, because emo-, your emotions go up and down. If you're an emotional person, you're not, but if you're an enthusiastic person, you're upbeat, you're positive, you're you got you know you're energetic about it. You know, and the the emotional things because that's what you're saying. That's the roller coaster ride, and and it doesn't mean we all don't have them. It's still a matter of containing them and and going through. You know the, you know the winds are still there. The the losses still hurt every time. Even when you, even when you know, you're in a building process and you know, it's going to, it's going to take a bit. It it takes, you know, it takes years off you and all those other things. I said, I started this thing with a full head of hair. So, you know, obviously I'm not ending it that way. So, <laughs> but I think um, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> well, so Lance, you're the man. Thanks so
0: much for, for carving well, out an hour like this. Um, That was phenomenal. Best best of luck to you this year.
1: Well, thanks. And uh, I know we've texted and talked some in the past, and we've talked about trying to do something someday, and I'm glad we had an opportunity to do so. I know it, right? We're we're both here in Buffalo. I I can't even remember us crossing paths, but ships
0: passing in the night. So we we made it happen. Best we could here. That's right. Thank you. Hey, thank you.